0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Cale Guthrie-Weissman, the editor-in-chief of Modern Retail, as well as the host of this podcast. And this week, I'm really excited. We have Raham Figiri, the co-founder and CEO of App Deco, which is a company I've been aware of for a really long time now. I feel like, maybe I'm wrong and we'll talk about this, but you're one of the early pioneers of subway advertising. I feel like I've I've seen your subway ads for as long as I've been in the city. But we're going to get into the the history of the company as well as just the overall used furniture landscape, which I find so fascinating. But Raham, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um first am I am I incorrect that you were a, a, an early pioneer of subway advertising? I, I whenever I think of Aptdeco, I can just see your ads in my head.
1: I mean, it's pretty impressive that you remember that, but yes, so we were definitely when we started advertising we were by far the smallest, I would say, tech startup advertising in the New York City subways at the time. Uh, uh you know, most of the companies that were advertising were much 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 larger uh, than when we were. So
0: that was exactly... I remember thinking, wow, this must be a big company that I had no idea about. And this is before I was covering retail. It was just something I noticed. But first, just for, for our viewers who don't know, why don't you just give sort of the background of how App Deco came about and sort of what it is that you all do?
1: Sure. So um, so we started App Deco as a, out of our own frustration. Um, I was trying to sell my furniture on a classified ad, uh, ad website uh, and had a, just a really bad experience. And sort of we thought to ourselves, if we can make the experience more seamless, uh, remove the friction, add delivery, then this is sort of a no-brainer. Um, and that was the genesis for App Deco. And that's how, it, that's how the idea came about. And that's when we started
0: it. Wow. And so what year was that?
1: Um, well, I actually experienced this sort of frustration was in 2012 when I was finishing grad school um and but didn't really start working on it until um
0: 2014 things have changed a lot since 2014 so i imagine that if i were to ask someone who is starting a similar company now the answers would be different but what was step 1 for you like i feel like probably the logistics part is one of the more difficult parts and that's something that i'm fascinated with how you can do that sort of seamless part but what was what was sort of the big thing you wanted to solve that that, that was the first step you went about when you were founding the company
1: yeah, so we, I wanted to validate initially if this actually is something that people will use or is just a good idea for me, but nobody else will use it. So, um, And you might have heard this sort of term MVP, minimum viable product. So start thinking about what an MVP would look like. And before writing any uh, lines of code um, or building any product, we tried to sort of get in front of our customers um, and and essentially posted some ads actually on Craigslist and just to try to see how people will react to ads with delivery, without delivery uh, for furniture and, and really helped us get more information about is this something that's viable or not? And from there, we sort of iterated until we built the product itself.
0: Got it. And so how has growth gone since 2014? Has it been sort of, you know, a spike up? Has it been ups and then plateaus or sort of, what what is the sort of growth plan been?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been mostly you know, up and to the right as as most startups, you know, which is great. Um, We've definitely also very focused on um, profitability and essentially controlling our own destiny. And that's something that we focus on a lot here at Updeco and uh, really built a product that people love um, and want to use and come back to a lot and tell their friends about, but also um, from a, you know, business perspective, also um, self-sustainable, a self-sustainable business model.
0: And so have you always been profitable or has it just been keeping profitability in mind?
1: Keeping profitability in mind. So we, um, what we've really focused on is making sure we have positive economics and making sure that, uh, you know, when we want to fuel our growth, we can, you know, add more cash. But when we want to make sure that we you know, for example, let's use the pandemic as an example. When the whole world came to a stop, um, we were fortunate enough to really have great economics from a business perspective that we were able to change a few levers there and we became profitable uh, fairly fast. So that's something for us that has always been very important as um, business owners is to make sure that we're building a business that will last.
0: Wow. I want to get into the pandemic because I was doing some research and uh, I, I was read an article and I think it was that between October and May of last year you you saw sales go up 300%, is that correct? Yes, it's been it's been a very busy year for us, for sure. I can only imagine. But like so let's I want to keep sort of at the start because I'm interested in sort of how you began setting setting that foundation. Was the process of getting people to buy wh- or what was the process of getting people to buy as well as how did you find sellers to to come to you to sell their products cuz i feel like what what distinguishes you from places like craigslist is that you have nice products and the idea is it's kind of lightly used and like you know there's a there's a certain aesthetic about it that makes it seem less risky than uh, you know a badly shot picture you see on craigslist so how did you go about building that and figuring out the supply and demand side of that
1: So the way we really thought about supply initially was to you know going back to craigslist again and reaching out to Owners of products that we thought would sell well on our, on our platform, or really at the time, products that we liked because we didn't really have enough data at the time. Um, and, you know, we'd email them and, you know, suggested to them to try App Deco. And we had, you know, a few hundred amazing early adopters that have given it a try, this random website that they've never heard about. And then on the demand side, we essentially did the same thing. We'd go and advertise those products again on Craigslist and add with delivery. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you know, and this was really a good way for us to just get the word out there and, again, continue to test the concept. And what we saw even from our MVP days was when you add the delivery component, that's when people were very, very interested and stopped negotiating and really tried to buy the item as quickly as possible. And so we would send them back to the website and that's from from there, you know, really iterated. And, you know, of course, now we're a lot more sophisticated in terms of how we acquire customers.
0: Yeah, so walk me through at least this how you've made more sophisticated the supply side because um you know when you're reaching out to to sellers on Craigslist you're you know that makes a lot of sense of figuring out what works and what people want but then when you launch in new cities and you're trying to go through so many different types of furniture figuring out whether they're good what's going on like how that works is that a question of technology sort of how did you ramp up so that you could have a platform at scale that worked
1: Yeah, so there's a couple of things so on the selling, I'm really both on buying and selling side. It's really about the trust factor. So for us, um, you know, building building the brand and building technology are just as important because you know we're uh, people are used to shopping on Craigslist or I mean more recently even Facebook Marketplace. Um, and so really focusing on the value prop, which is we offer logistics, payments online um everything is done through us we do the curation ourselves so it's really one stop shop for everything in one place um so you know even what you see with how we communicate about the business um externally really all the press that we get really kind of built that um more trust factor that we were looking for exposing reviews from customers real reviews about how you know how people's experience using our website really helped really get that you know uh, sort of that get people more over the hump. So, you know, I'll give you an example for uh, in the beginning, we'd see the reviews a lot of time would say, I was skeptical at first, and then I used it and it was amazing. And so we tried to figure out how do you remove that word skeptical from people's sort of psyche. Um, and we did a lot of things on the website, the user experience um, to, to remove, to really help kind of remove that skepticism. And, um, and you know, it's, it worked. So a lot of it is tech, but uh, but branding as well. as so a combination of both.
0: So I'm interested, the branding side, I think is really ingenious on your part because I feel like in the way that the the brand is presented and also in like, you know, I was doing research and a lot of the press that you get, you're featured, you know, you have like apartment therapy rights about you or like the goods. And these are places it, like the the spin you get is that, you know, you're a used marketplace, but you, you're very curated. It's where you can get the nice things. So was that, how did you build that? And was that just in sort of, you know, finding these user reviews and sort of highlighting them? How how did you sort of build that mystique, mystique around the App Deco brand?
1: I mean, so luckily my co-founder comes from that world. So um, okay. he was a VP at L'Oreal uh, okay. and ran branding and sales at L'Oreal. So uh, I... Give him. I'll give him all the credit <laughs> um, uh, because you know. Luckily, you know we have we have him in our team, and you know he was he really pushed. For example, for separate advertising, that helped build the brand as well. It, you know, just kind of what you said earlier. It made us look a lot bigger than where we actually are, and it really helped sort of bring that trust factor. Um, and this is really the the bullish things that we've always done uh, from the beginning. Is you know. And what we believe in is we have to build a brand. It's not just,
0: you know, about the value prop is not just enough. The brand is just as important. Got it. And so let's talk about the pandemic because I feel like that's when a lot of dynamics shifted. Um, And so you saw record sales. What sort of you, you said you changed a few levers so that you had profitability in mind, but also what like how did you shift your overall program? I imagine that if you were in charge of logistics, that made for how should I say this? It was probably very difficult to to deal with logistics, specifically when shelter in place was in was in motion, but also. Just when you know people didn't want other people in their houses and things like that. So walk me through just the last year and, and what what happened.
1: Ooh, wow, uh, it was quite a year. I mean, when it when shelter in place first happened, we actually weren't sure if we would be classified as an essential business. And so when when clarifications came about that you know moving companies and uh, logistics companies generally are part of essential business, um, we made a some quick decisions to, to ensure that our teams are safe um, and our customers will continue to be safe. And so, you know, provide a PPE for all our employees, um, change our delivery process where, pick up and delivery process where we've essentially let customers know, if you can leave your item outside of your door uh, to remove contact. And of course, sometimes it's a A heavy wardrobe. That's not possible. So then we would, you know, in a communication, we would say, well, go in another room so that there's no contact um, between our delivery team. Because it's it's important that they're safe, the customers, but also our delivery team is safe as well. Um, So we've made changes like that fairly fast. We've also communicated to all our customers. We've posted information about um, our policies and how we're handling the pandemic, um, and really helped get people comfortable help get our customers comfortable It help get our delivery team comfortable to work as well. Uh, You know, because safety comes first at the end.
0: Do you own like all of the logistics or are you working with partners sort of, how does that part work?
1: Yes, we own all the logistics. So we have our own trucks, uh, branded trucks. You might've seen them around New York city. Um, We have our own drivers uh, as employees um, and we've built a lot of software to enable same-day pickup and delivery. Um, so what we do is we pick up and deliver on the same day. What we don't do is we never warehouse, uh, or we rarely do. So when an item sells, it'll get scheduled for pickup and delivery based on you know, your desired days and times that you choose as a buyer and seller. We'll match you to the same day and time. And from there, uh, we'll dispatch our, our trucks to pick it up and deliver it um, within the same
0: day. So uh, how did you handle not having a warehouse and probably having a smaller logistics team when demand just went through the roof?
1: Uh, Hiring aggressively was (laughs) was one way to do it. Um, You know, unfortunately, listen, most on average, we can deliver items within one to two days of when the item is when the order is placed. Um, But there were slight delays during the early days as we ramped up our hiring, you know, let's say on average five days. But that still was much better than anywhere else. Um, So consumers might have had to wait a little bit longer. But for the most part, we really focus on ensuring that our teams are safe. We're hiring quickly, but also ensuring the quality of service doesn't go down because that's really the danger of hiring too fast as well. So, you know, ensuring quality of service has always been a big part of our business and ensuring
0: um, we can maintain that. All right, we're going to take a quick break right now. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. So did the pandemic impact growth plans? Because I know that you've expanded to different cities. Does that, given the the huge demand? Did it mean that you are like, we're just focusing on where we are now? Are you still expanding elsewhere? How, how is that calculation going?
1: It actually accelerated our growth, um, to other cities. So since we've already launched into two new markets, um, in 2021. So we've launched in Philadelphia earlier this year, and now we just literally two weeks ago, just launched in the San Francisco Bay area. So wow. yeah, so very exciting, uh, very exciting for us, uh, seeing a lot of opportunity. Um, really, you know, there's a big exodus of consumers from big markets and also new people moving to new, to new metros as well. So um, it's a needed bit service. And we're, you know, we're looking forward to help service folks as well.
0: That makes sense. I mean, there has been, there's, everyone talks about the uh, the migration from like New York to Miami or something like that. Have you like, I guess Philadelphia probably makes a lot of sense because it's like a cheaper New York in a certain sense. Sure, yes. So, uh, uh, But how are you go, with these new locations, especially like San Francisco, which I imagine is a fascinating market unto itself, but are, are you, do? how are you sourcing new sellers? Is it, are you doing a lot of digital marketing to get people to, to join? Do they already know about it? What, how does that go about? So, I mean, we
1: have a very um, healthy marketing mix. So from digital advertising to also offline advertising, um, to word of mouth, to, um, you know, also using our current customers as a catalyst to promote us in new markets. Most people probably know three to five people in the Bay Area. So, you know, so, you know, really reusing what we've built and the brand recognition that we've built in the Northeast and, um trying to trying to build upon that versus starting from scratch is our strategy.
0: Where do you find you are you most heavily in, you know in your mix on digital sort of what have you found has worked? Did you during the pandemic I know a lot of companies just stopped advertising because there was just so much demand there. Did was that something you did or did you still put you know a little bit of gas on the on the on the pedal?
1: We actually did not stop advertising at all. Um I think maybe just one or two weeks when we were still trying to figure out if we could operate um, but as soon as we started operating again, um, it actually was great for us to advertise because it was there was less bidding involved in digital advertising. So it was much cheaper to advertise during that time. Um so so for us the to answer your question around, you know, digital versus offline, it's really a healthy mix and it depends on the, the season as well. Um we I would say probably like fifty-fifty. From offline to digital as well, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we're think of all the metros, all the large metros around <laughs> the U.S. Um, that's
0: that's really our plan, and that's what we're working towards as well. So, how do you go about building logistics from the ground up in a new location? Is it that do you have just like a small team in San Francisco to begin with, and then hiring as needed? How like w- walk me through that entire process? Because I imagine. I I feel like so many brands that I know talk about, you know, logistics is the one thing that they sort of have other people deal with. It's never like within their within what they work with. And so I, I always love to talk with companies like you that like that is your bread and butter. You make sure you 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 own that side of things. So how do you go about building that out in like a new location?
1: It's, you know, it's 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 really hard, I would say. And, you know, think about it as like chicken and egg, right? You don't want to hire too many people up front where you don't have enough orders to make sure that they're busy and they're, uh, uh, you know, efficient. And also at the same time, you don't want to hire too little people where the quality of service is not there. So, you know, we put our projections together. We are expecting X amount of sales per week, per month, and really, you know, planned out uh, uh, based on that. And so we've hired... Um, some folks now in locally, we have our operations manager, actually, who moved from New York um, to the Bay Area, um, who essentially is helping establish the logistics side uh, locally there. Um, you know, what we do is very unique. We Our logistics, the reason why we own it is because we want to make sure we control the experience and we can do it better, cheaper um, and faster, really, than most other companies. Um, and so what we've done is we've built a secret. We have our secret sauce. And instead of hiring someone operational, lo- an operation manager locally there, it made sense for us to send someone from New York to essentially create that locally in the Bay Area.
0: Got it. I was I was on your website and uh, I, th- I clicked on the part that said App Deco for businesses that you're building. You have a sort of a platform specifically for the furniture retailers. Can you talk me a little, a little through that? Because I think that that's a service that is becoming quietly more popular, specifically sort of a platform that works with brands so they can essentially like, I don't know if it would be with you, or, but sort of like a white label, like they want to get into resale, but they don't want to deal with all of the headaches of it. Is that sort of how you envision this to be?
1: Yes, absolutely. So we have, uh, we work with a variety of different partners. Um, from small to large uh, retailers to sell their products, um, to help them, excuse me, sell their products. And that could be anything from um, you know, returns, floor models, et cetera. Um, so think, you know, your neighborhood furniture store to Maybe potentially a small uh, regional retailer to maybe even national retailers. And you know for from our from a customer perspective, from a buyer's perspective, this is great because now it's the one place where you can shop for everything lightly used. Um, from your favorite brands in one place. So, you know, it's it's really, it's a win-win. Um, there's a sustainability aspect to that, that, you know, on from our brand partners, they really care about and we care about, of course, as a business. Um, sustainability is really a big part of what we're trying to uh, promote here is there's an alternative way um, to shop, especially with furniture. 90% of furniture ends up in landfills. And so this is a good way to divert it from landfills.
0: With those listings, are they just intermixed with the listings on AppDeco? Sort of, how to what percentage of what you have is from these AppDeco for businesses compared to just you know person to person?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty intermixed, um, and I mean the majority of our listings are still from individuals. So this is really you know we are a true community based peer to peer marketplace, um, and we work with select partners as we see fit. Um, because we know this will help our buyers. You know, we are, we are very selective about who we work with on the B two B side.
0: That makes sense. I mean, I I feel like there was it Floyd. I believe that they they make um beds. They're a, a fancy um for for the viewers who don't know. Do they make very Instagram beloved uh, bed frames. And I feel like they just launched a resale uh, platform on their site where I think they're buying back things that are slightly dinged. And it makes sense that like a lot of these nicer companies would try and get into that. But also I imagine they would like to work with a company like yours where it sort of takes away kind of, you know, a bit of the headache and they are able to, at least make some money off of products they wouldn't otherwise be able to sell. Is, is that sort of what, how, how, exactly. you, what they're selling. All right, cool. Um, exactly. And so can you talk to me a little bit about just sort of what the plans for the next year are sort of, how are you, you know, is, is it just expanding to more cities? Is it trying to grow up the new cities that you're in? What are you, what are what are you seeing on the horizon?
1: All of the above, <laughs> I would say. Um, so it's really, you know, growing existing cities. Um, we just launched in two new markets in the last six, you know, in the last few weeks um so growing those markets um, and also looking to expand to new markets um in around the northeast and hopefully soon you know go international as well, so very ambitious we have ambitious plans and um and you know very excited about where things are headed
0: international where would you go if you if you launched internationally hypothetically speaking
1: Ooh, uh, <laughs> London probably um Hong Kong. You know, any, I think that this model would work anywhere, any dense city with uh, a transient nature, um, where there's a lot of transient people, like this would work anywhere. One well, thing Hong I did Kong, want to ask. Hong Kong pre the changes, I guess, pre all
0: the, That's a lot true. Of, okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hong Kong from a couple of years ago. I'm not sure about Hong Kong now. We'll see yeah. how things, <laughs> we'll see how things go.
0: Yeah, we'll have to wait and see how things shake out. Exactly. Um, One thing I did want to ask you is just sort of like zoomed out because, uh, what sort of demand shifts have you seen, specifically in what people are buying? Um did you how, did you expand the what you were even selling because I remember I, we did a little bit of coverage here about how, you know, many brands are launching outdoor sets because everybody wants to hang out outdoors because there's a pandemic. Um is that did you see that kind of mix? Did you see more people leaning towards a certain style of mid-century modern because they were trying to upgrade their apartment? Just a- anything along those lines that you thought were interesting? So during the pandemic, well, we definitely saw an
1: immediate shift to desks and office chairs and, you know, really folks trying to uh, consumers trying to upgrade their or make room for an office in their homes. So that was one of the very obvious ones that we've seen. Um, but over time, we also saw, uh, well, people are also selling, um, they're selling um, their products and looking to upgrade to sort of more, you know, higher end, I would say pieces, because they're spending a lot more time at home, especially in the New York market, where I think most people are used to spending very little time at home. And most of the time outside, they were forced to really rethink investing in their homes and making it very cozy and, and homey. So we've seen a big investment where the average order value, average order items, number of items being purchased is what went, went up from per person um, as a result of the pandemic.
0: Do you find that most of your customers are on mobile or on a desktop? I imagine that that's shifted over the years. Like, uh, I'm always fascinated with how Instagram has completely change the way people shop for furniture with all of these, like f- there are a lot of vintage sites or accounts that I follow where you can just buy an app. Has that impacted your business or how you've like presented the items that you show on App Deco?
1: Yeah. So we have actually prepared 50-50 Right now, I would say mobile versus desktop. Uh, that definitely has increased. So mobile has definitely been growing a lot faster on the, than desktop. Uh, we actually recently did a relaunch of our site re, um, where we made it very mobile-friendly. Uh, while we don't have an app yet, um, it, f- it should look and feel, hopefully, like an app. Um, so we've made a big investment in sort of our mobile-first um,
0: experience. Got it. And do you? I mean, do you think have people searched for furniture differently over the years like like i feel i feel like maybe this is just my own personal experience because of you know i like i, I used to look at craigslist i used to hate it um and I would sort of like not sure. But now I follow like five different used furniture accounts on Instagram that, you know, maybe I'll see if I like something I can look on App Deco or like I'll DM them and say like will you and like I feel like maybe there's like more trust specifically because of the social media platforms. Are you do you have you noticed that or is it has have there has there been sort of a shift in the way that people are looking at furniture online?
1: Yes, I I definitely think so. So and i think the shift really happened um thanks to companies like uber and airbnb mm-hmm. really that sharing economy where you know you're now comfortable sleeping in some random person's home you're comfortable riding on some random person's car um then you know uh, sort of evolving into the fashion retail side with posh marks and the real real where you know consumers and i know people are now comfortable shopping used clothes um and really furniture is it's the last frontier when you come, when you think about it. You know, people are shopping for used cars. They've been doing that for so long, but there's always been sort of this hesitation with used furniture, uh, for so long. But, you know, I think consumer behavior has just changed over time. Um, people are willing to spend way more online now than before. And they you know spend you know thousands of
0: dollars online, uh, paying online. And so that really helped uh, fuel the growth in the used furniture space. Well, Raham, this has been such a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate you joining me and uh, taking the time.
1: Thanks for having me. This has been great.
0: And thank you for listening to this episode of The Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and send this podcast over to a friend who you know would enjoy it. See you next week mm